Hey beautiful people, welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Doc. One Doc. It's your girl Beezy. It's your girl Four Ends. I realised we didn't actually introduce ourselves um, last episode. Yeah, yeah, and you didn't say beautiful people as well, I had to remind yeah, you about no, that. Yeah, but then I did say it and I kept that in so the people knew. So yeah, let's <laughs> let that go. Let's leave that in the past. Okay, oh, what are we doing today? Talking about Sintoya Brown. This is another quarantine edition. <laughs> Ooh, it is a controversial controversy yeah we're drinking water as well because yeah. like okay, it's so 11 which, o'clock okay which water are you drinking do you know what speaking of water yeah maybe we should actually do this documentary you know on netflix they have a series called rotten and each episode is like a different thing and yesterday i was watching the one about bottled water and bottled water is a scam and i think that we should do it especially for you who's obsessed with bottled water I think that we should do that documentary. I'm not going to lie. How did you know I was obsessed with bottled water? You know me so well. Well, I mean, every day Kirkland's Kirkland's like they're sponsoring you. But yeah, I do think that we should... Um, <laughs> I do think that we should talk do about... Our, anyway, episode. let's do this episode. I'll tell you about it. Yeah, I think we should do that particular okay. episode. So, this documentary, I just want to say off the bat, because it's going to affect how I narrate this, I fucking hated it. So let's get that out of the way. This documentary, yeah, it just seemed like it was basically all archival footage. Like it seemed like they filmed it ages ago, like when this was happening, like real time. Yeah. And then for some reason they weren't allowed to release it. Yeah. And then the case became relevant again. And then they were like, oh, this is our chance. Like, yep. let's release it. Yep. 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 The subject matter itself is interesting because everybody knows the case. But I just feel like the way the documentary went about it was really bad. I don't know how to explain it. And it made it seem extremely boring as well. I don't know if you got that vibe. Like, I was bored by the time I was, yeah, like, five minutes in. I was like, I'm over this documentary. The thing is, it's good that it wasn't, like, sensationalising it or making it all, like, oh, do 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 But yeah. it was just... And this is what I mean by it's all archival. Like, at the time, like, had this come out at the time that this all happened, it would have made sense. Mm. But if it were a documentary that were filmed today, made, and you know it wasn't filmed today because Centoya is, like, 12 in mm. all these clips, yeah? <laughs> and then you know when... <laughs> like, you know when um back in the day where the TVs with the back off, the TVs, yeah, like, yeah, the screens yeah, yeah. were smaller? Yeah. So when it comes now to the whole, like, 1920s, 1080 dimension or whatever it is yeah Yeah. it has like the black lines the black portions on the side it was like that so you know that it's old and i just feel like but i was gonna google it like to find out about it then i was like i can't be bothered because it was just like it did what it it aimed to do i guess which was tell the story yeah of centoya brown yeah but but it was documentary sake it was just a bit bleh and it was all from the i don't even think it told her story because it was all from like the legal standpoint so yes and this is what i didn't like i thought i was going to learn about her actual story like how she got to that point of committing the crime then there'll be a bit about the case i didn't think that that we were gonna have that because remember i saw online she was talking about how she wasn't involved in this documentary yeah, that bit I didn't understand I either. Because she was very much recorded and filmed. So what did she think she was filming? No, for? yeah, but that's what, and this is what I mean. That I'm sure that this was filmed for another purpose or something else. She was not involved in terms of her now being out mm. and being 32 or however old she is, yeah? 
she's had no um input in how this story was told and i'm sure that because i remember her saying something about her doing her own documentary I'm yeah sure if she were to do her own documentary it would be from the standpoint of what it was like for her in prison her life before what led mm. up to everything it would be from her point of view rather than us seeing all these different motions and all these lawyers and stuff arguing like i there was a point where all of it was just lawyers talking to Literally, each other. Literally, it was like, jargon. If I wanted to watch Law and Order, I would have watched Law and Order. Exactly. And this wasn't even Law and Order SVU. It was just jargon. Like, it wasn't <laughs> the interesting one. And I'm so sorry to into it, but I'm not going to be watching the one you bring out because I've been scarred by this. No, no, no. I'm going to watch it. Because of this one, I'm definitely going to watch it. Because it's not going to be worse than this. Okay. And also, it's going to be from the Her perspective, mouth. yeah. Yeah, as in, if, if anything, I'm definitely watching that one. Anyway, you guys, I'll do the episode by myself if, if <laughs> Lorenz doesn't want to watch it. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, we open up this documentary with on-screen text and it tells us that it's September 1st, 2006 and Centoya Brown is 16 years old. And at this point, she's been incarcerated for six for three weeks, sorry. And she's in juvie. Um, we hear her state her name, the fact that they're in Nashville and her charge. I was charged with homicide and robbery and... Possession of weapon and criminal impersonation. So we just kind of see her in her orange jumpsuit. Um, and she seems kind of like an old soul. I don't know if you got this vibe from her when you were watching mm. this bit. Yeah, kind of just the way she speaks. Yeah, like she seems like she seems like she's been through it. Like you wouldn't be surprised to hear that this girl's been through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's speaking about how she's never really been loved and she's always been unhappy. That's because I was so wanting to be loved because I really just never felt like anybody loved me really sad really really sad because it's true like, and she's talking about it so matter-of-factly as well there's not like she's crying about it she's just kind of like oh, I never yeah felt she's loved. Like, i never felt loved kind of thing um and then she we see it go through her daily routine like being in juvie which from what i could see she has a bit more freedom than what i think people in normal prison have um but i may be wrong yeah i don't know so we meet Catherine Sinbad and can I sorry Sinbad can I just say (laughs) not Sinbad (laughs) can I just say there are so many fucking talking heads in this documentary yeah that I don't name all of them so I only name a few if you put down names let me know but I didn't Mm, I wrote down Sinbad yeah okay (laughs) but you were the first one so I was still with it I was still with it after this I was like no you're you're kidding me um (laughs) Her lower third is Attorney Metropolitan Defender's Office. So she basically says that the state has announced intent to transfer her to the adult prison and treat her um, as any other adult in the in this here in the system. And keep in mind she's sixteen. So obviously at this point, like you don't really understand the fact that. But basically, what's happened is she hasn't actually gone to trial yet for the murder. As we all know, she committed a murder. Um, she hasn't gone to trial yet, but she's been charged. And she's currently in juvie and now they're trying to decide if they're going to hear her case in juvie or in adult prison. And obviously adult, mm-hmm. sorry, adult court. Adult court means you'll be sentenced like 25 to life. And juvie, I think, allows for like actual rehabilitation. So if she gets transferred to the adult um, jail, then the minimum sentence is um, 60 years with possibility of parole after oh, 51 yeah, years. Oh yeah, I did write that. <laughs> yeah. She said 25 to life. <laughs> Do you know what? I just had it in my head because that's the usual like, Thing you hear like a murder but i mean she's going to be in there at least 51 yeah, years yeah yeah before wh- before she can be paroled whereas mm. if she if she is tried in juvenile court then that's not the case, the case i mean that's yeah. a big difference between 51 years of your life especially considering the details of the case yeah and especially considering she's actually a kid kind of thing she's like, 16 she's 16 
Like, come on. Catherine's job is to show the judge that Centoya is worth saving, basically, because in juvie she would receive medical help, i.e. therapy that would help her rehabilitate. Mm-hmm. So basically, we're going th- we're seeing them go through all the motions now of prepping a case for the judge so that the, the judge can um, kind of decide in their favour for Centoya to still be in juvie. So this, like, psychiatrist Bonnet, po- Bonnet pops up. Is it Bonnet? Barrett? I don't know, can tell you, sis. Yeah, okay, I'm going to go with Burnett, Burnett because of Love is Blind. <laughs> <laughs> He's a forensic psychiatrist and he says that Sintoya's case... He's the guy with the glasses? Yeah. Oh, he's he is, cute. yeah, he's cute. He's much worse. The case is much worse than anyone could have kind of imagined. So you have in your head, because let's be real, we've all heard the case before, you know, she's a prostitute. Da, da, da. So you have in your head what a 16 year old prostitute would have gone through. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, I always thought she killed her pimp, but it wasn't her pimp. Yeah, I thought that as well for some reason. Okay. So yeah, so we have in, her, in our heads what this kind of person will look like or psych- psychologically, their psychological state. And he's like, no, 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 it's much worse. So we see her talking to um, her psychologist now. Um, this is different to the psychiatrist that she was talking to before, I yeah. think. Um, and so he, they're doing this um, this test where he shows her pictures that depict a scenario. And then she has to say what situation she thinks led up to it. Oh. So we learn later that this is known as the Robert Apperception Test, right? Mm-hmm. And he does a couple of these. Like, he does a few of them. Mm-hmm. But there's a couple that stood out to me, right? So... There's one um, where there's a picture of a man and a woman and they're kind of like in an embrace. It's almost like he's about to kiss her. Um, and then they have like a child watching them. And yeah. then Santoya says... I think they just got to argue. She really doesn't want him to kiss her, but he's forcing her. Which is kind of weird because that's it's like... That's so crazy. That was so crazy like, to me. That's not what the picture looked like. The picture just looked like a mum and dad embrace, you know, and the kid is just kind of watching them. Yeah. But maybe that's just me. No, 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 no. So I thought the same when I saw the picture. And then I thought that was very kind of like telling. This whole thing is telling. And he he talks about it after. But then there's another picture. And this one I think was a bit madder because there's three girls in a circle, (laughs) right? That's all you see. There's three girls in a circle. That's it. And then Centoya says, This slut is telling her to give her the money. This bitch is sitting back and enjoying it. I think like sit like sis like Literally. i feel like if this doesn't show you the kind of past yeah. trauma at play here then i don't really know what else what will, will yeah that. yeah yeah because I agree. three girls in a circle you might even think oh they're gossiping about another girl or oh they're playing talking about a boy roses, or... or or anything else but the way i don't know maybe it was editing but i doubt it because yeah. it literally went from one picture to the next picture and the venom anyway you guys heard it when i played it like literally yeah it's just it's just a lot crazy but like she was yeah. she was mad and she was angry um yeah. and then the guy says to, to the Catherine woman like all her stories were chaotic and none of them had a resolution they were all violence aggression an unusual degree of negative emotion anger rejection i mean this is her view of the world all her scenarios depicted violence and yeah. they didn't have a, a resolution and they all were just filled with negative emotion. Which leads that, us to think, okay, personality disorder. Yeah, literally. Um, and they play on that a bit more later on in the in the documentary. But yeah. it just it does it does tell you a lot about and I like the way it sets up because it makes you really think about what this girl went through, through and what mm-hmm. she's going to continue to go through as this case progresses. So all of them have come together and discussed kind of the, the results. And Catherine is like, OK, cool. Like she understands this stuff and this is the way they're going to present the case to the judge. So now we meet her mum. 
we hear a bit about her family life when she was talking to the psychiatrist, but mm-hmm. we actually start to meet the players. So we meet her mum, yeah. who's a teacher, um, which shocked me, and her name is Elanette Brown. And then suddenly we hear that she has like a bio mum, and mm-hmm. her bio mum's name is Georgina Mitchell. You had her at 16. And her mum looks like that girl that used to dance for Missy Elliott. Do you remember the girl? No, she doesn't. Alison Stoner, stop Yes, Alison. No, no, no. Put some wait, respect let, on Alison Stoner. Wait, let me finish. Not looks like in terms of like, oh, same, no, same, whatever. I mean like the outfit, the vibe. That's how Alison Stoner <laughs> looked in every Missy video. Is that suggested? With like the, yeah, the tracksuit. The, tra- yeah. the chains, the gold chains and then the yeah. cornrows. And this is a white woman, by the way. So we meet the mum. She does... It's very a, interesting to look at. Very interesting to look at. And um, the mum doesn't have know who Centoya's dad is and Centoya doesn't mm. know who her dad is either. Um and the mum the mum is basically saying, so Georgina is basically saying that her and Centoya's behaviours are very similar. So mm-hmm. the stuff they share that, traits. Yeah, they share a lot of traits. And apparently they were asking her about like her family history because all of these things will help build a case. And the mum mm-hmm. is basically saying that yeah, like her mum, which is Centoya's biological grandma, um, was also like unstable. And yeah, then the great like grand- their whole family. Yeah, the whole whole family. And her great grandma shot herself, like, and they used to drink and drugs and a lot of sexual yeah, from abuse early. as well. And it kind of makes you think about the whole thing of nature versus nurture because mm-hmm. Centoya was then adopted and raised by a black woman at the age of two. At the age of two, and she her the, the her black mother, who's her like legal mother, um, was a teacher. So a very normal, stable environment. And then you think about the fact that her parents or her biological parents or biological family rather come from like years and years of trauma and instability. And you just wonder like, so is it nature? Is it nurture? Because was she It's kind of like, was she doomed from the beginning? Like, was she doomed from yes, the beginning? Yes, literally. Um, okay. So again, I kind of, I've, I've, I kind of don't like the way the documentary switches from thing to thing. It does this funny like... It has a funny sound and then it has like a title page or something to show you where it's we like are. A weird, but this is what I'm saying. This documentary, you, no one can tell me that it was made even in the 2010s. Fam. Like literally, it's Fam. so old looking. I'm just like... <laughs> and it kind of got... It, it feels like they're kind of like, oh, we need to release this shit. So rather than like tidy up, they saying. just... I don't know. They're like, this is our chance. Fam, it because was, it's it become really more relevant. Bad. I really didn't like it. So anyway, the, the, the on-screen title page thingy they do tells us it's the day of the hearing and we meet Judge Betty Green and she's prepping to go into court. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say that she's white and I'm going to keep saying this. She's, all the people that Sintoy has encountered from a legal perspective so far have been white. Um, I mean, they're in Tennessee, so... Yeah, but then it, it plays a part, basically. So we hear um, on the actual day, so we're in the hearing now and we hear how everything went down. So basically, Centoya's in a hotel with her pimp, Cut. Cutthroat. Cutthroat, Cut. Cut. And um, they're just smoking weed, um, having sex, the usual thing. And he basically turns to her and is like, yeah, you've been lazy. Like, you need to step it up. You need to go make some money. And she's 16, like, you know. Fam. She's like, okay, cool. So she goes out on the street and she picks, I guess she goes to get some food from like a Sonic nearby, which is... Like, like a petrol station. Petrol, no, it's not a petrol station. Sonic is an actual restaurant, but it's like a... It's, it's a it's restaurant. As, oh, like a diner. Yeah, it's kind of like Burger King, but not as good. Um, So she goes to get food from Sonic. 
and then um she starts working and then she's walking on the street and then she meets John who is the deceased and he picks her up in his truck and I've always wondered like how do you know a prostitute like is no that... but sometimes I don't think they do like guys just shout all the time so you guys think... guys will catcall you all the time so you think that... whether or not then you, when you get in then you start saying actually like this and this because then they started haggling because yeah. he was like oh are you down and she was like 200 and he was like one 100 and then they agreed on 150 so it's not as if like she had a sign on her bum like oh I'm yeah that's what I was saying like it's a risky but thing. then also and I know that I'm sure that you'll probably get into this but we see like I said this is archival footage so we see what she looked like close to the time that this happened and this girl does not look more than 12. She literally doesn't. So it's problematic in so many ways that this guy... So many ways. Like, As in, John is not the only victim here, is what I'm saying. Literally. So anyways, the deceased picks her up, gets into Kane. As BD said, they start to negotiate a rate and they kind of agree on 150 because she said 200, he said 100, 150. And again, it's like $150 for like sex with this girl. It's mad. So she's like, okay, cool, let's go to the hotel. The hotel she just left cut in and he was like nah he insists on taking her to his house and when mm. she says this like the hairs on my body like stand up because i'm like this is a red flag like and it shows it's all, you there's just red flags everywhere everywhere <laughs> literally like you don't go to a john's house like his name is john but you really don't go to a john's house like mm-hmm. you don't do that and every like episode of whether it be crime junkie or whatever we've listened to it all starts off with the girl going to the house when she's like, she, you don't do that, like, literally. So, yeah, they go to his house and he insists on it, which is a red flag. And then she says on the way to his house, which I think is really key, but I don't even know if people pick up on this. She says how he spends the whole time talking about himself and how important he is and all the stuff mm-hmm. he's achieved and that he's in the military and he's that and he's that. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of builds his picture of this, like, kind of narcissist, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but not even just narcissist, in my opinion, it's more so, like, Look at me, and yeah. What I've look done at for the you, community, and look, and at, look you. at you. So, if yeah. anything so goes down, like a, you're a nobody. It's implying a, a power dynamic exactly, from the beginning, like literally. Just know what this is about, just know what's up. And then it's even worse because they get to the house and she's on the dining table eating, and then he's showing her his guns. And it's like, for me, that's scary. It's scary as fuck. For even if I wasn't like. Uh, um, what do you call it? A prostitute for a guy to be showing me guns, or anyone to be showing me guns. But then you'll know, you know, you're in this already vulnerable situation, and he's mm-hmm. showing you guns. So she's but quite, mm. to play devil's advocate. All we know from that night or what happened is Centoya's point of view because yeah, yeah. John is dead. Yeah. So I think that as much as it's like, okay, this story is about her story and everything, we have to take everything with at least a little bit of salt because we don't know what happened. There's no CCTV evidence. There's no nothing. All we yeah, know is true. what she has told us. And that's, that's it. And we will never, ever be able to verify it. So not to say she's lying, but just to say, like, we have to think critically a little bit because we don't know. All we know is what she said. So, yeah, so I, yeah showing me guns would be like, oh, rah, this is mad. But maybe he did or maybe he did we don't know i mean the only thing we do we can say is the guns were very much out like there what we can say is he was shot by (laughs) the guns were very much there so and he was shot um so she says that he's showing her these guns and she's getting nervous and you know they ask her in court are you a nervous person she's like no but she started to deep and this is when she said that she said she deep that like he's told her all this stuff and basically she's a nobody and like if he doesn't yeah, and he's clearly a somebody yeah exactly so basically she is really smart she says to him that she's tired let them go and sleep so they go upstairs because her plan is once they fall asleep 
she will then like escape beneath and like sneak out, which is really s- smart. So you get into it's, bed. Yeah, it's smart, yeah. It's smart, but it's confusing to me because have they had sex yet? Yes or no? No. But this is what I mean. So the reason that she followed him to his house was because they agreed to have sex with one another and he was going to pay her the 150. And the reason that she even did all of that was because Cup was like to her, you need to make some money. So it's like, what? Like you had the food already that you needed, yeah? You go into his house to not sleep with him. Like, I don't know. It was just confused. Like that whole bit just confused me because it was like, are you going to do prostitution or are you not? And if you were, then why did you go to the- If you went on it, why did you follow him to his house? I think she was on it for the money and all that kind of stuff. But I think when she mm. got there, and she deeps what he was on. She wasn't on it. Because remember, initially, she was going to go to a certain area of town where... She, yeah, where she was comfortable. Yeah, That's so true. I feel like she was on it, obviously, and it's good like He might sleep with me and then kill me. Exactly. So when she clocks that this guy's a bit dangerous, she was like, no, I need to escape. And then she probably would have just gone back to work in the streets if she'd been able to escape, but she wasn't. Yeah, maybe, yeah. So, and sorry, I forgot to say this, but in the car, he's basically telling her the kind of sex he wants. And he kind of makes it seem like he wants lovemaking. So, anyways, this this also is other stuff that could have probably made her feel a bit more comfortable to then follow him. Mm-hmm. So they get into bed and it's time to sleep. And he's being all, all aggressive. It's not the usual thing guys do, like, when you're both pretending to sleep and they want some. Like, he's literally grabbing her, trying to flip her over. And then she, like, says he grabs her, like, crotch area. Mm-hmm. And then she obviously is, like... Like she no. has like strange like danger in her head. I was gonna say stranger danger, but he's not really stranger. But she has danger in her head. He's Loki a stranger. <laughs> yeah, Loki he is. So stranger danger in her head. And then he rolls over, and then she grabs a gun from like her purse and she shoots him. She thinks that he is, is going to re- get a like, gun. Rolling over to get a gun. Yeah, but then this is kind of um I don't know what. Wait, the is word. the gun her gun? Or was yeah. It his gun? So she has a gun in her bag, which most like um sex workers do. That's crazy. The thing that kind of disputes what she says is the position he's found in, the coroner states that, like, he would have been sleeping when he was shot. Like, he wouldn't have even He's known. rolled over and his hands are clasped. Yeah. and it's So like, if your hands... Imagine your fingers are interlocked, like how they say you need to be washing your hands, guys. Yeah, wash your hands. His <laughs> fingers are interlocked, yeah. And so it's like... He died that way. So, obviously, when you die, like, you go into rigor mortis and you get all stiff, right? So, it's not as if he was dying and then he clasped his hands and then he died that way. Like, he died, like, instantly. Yeah. So, he dies. And it's like, if your hands are clasped like that, how what were you reaching for? Exactly. <laughs> like, so, it just kind of looks like he was actually just sleeping in that position and at she the shot time, him. Yeah. So, it's a bit... Meh. And then she takes his wallet and money and stuff. And this is what makes everything just seem worse. so much worse. Like, she yeah. takes his wallet, his money and his keys, and then she drives off. And basically, I, I, we don't know the ins and outs of how they tracked her down, but I suspect it was that way. Um, and this is what makes it worse, because if possibly if she had just gone to the police at that point, then it really could have been more self-defence. But the whole taking the wallet, wallet and the money, it just doesn't look good. So after all of this stuff is discussed in court, um, the judge basically decides to transfer her to the adult system. Adult jail, baby! Baby! Um, and I, call, <laughs> I called racism at this point. I really? Kind of, yeah. I d- but then again... American I never, I never, are... race never came into it for me in during this documentary. Do you think? Not really. I, I definitely did quite a few times. Because um, I don't understand how you can listen to this case. Listen to, because they also presented the evidence from the psychologist basically saying that, you know, everything wasn't all 
together with her. There. How do you know you... what? I think it's less. Maybe is I think to be honest, I think there's always always an element of of the race tone underlying yeah. all the time. However, I think it was more of like a class thing because even with the way she talks, like at times I was like, sorry, what? Like it's very like like isn't because okay, her biological mum is what some people might, um, at the time at least, is what some people might describe as like white trash, right? That kind of vibe. Yeah. And her, her legal mum, the black woman, was more middle class, mm-hmm. had a job, blah, blah, blah. So I don't think it was more so that, oh, this is a half black girl. I think it was just, this is, this girl kind of, like, it wouldn't have made a difference. Like, this, she's not going anywhere any, anyway. Like, her oh, life yeah, yeah, yeah. is anything anyway. So what's, what's the point? I think it was more from that, Probably, like, respect yeah, rather than... That, yeah. Rather than oh, it's a it's a black girl. So it's not like she's some Harvard Harvard graduate that. Yeah, like she's just. Yeah. It's like fam, the streets will be fine without her. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like what I difference you. is going to make? I think that's kind of what ever, it was, which is wrong too. Yeah. But it's not race induced. Yeah, <laughs> I never really thought that. So yeah, there's that perspective as well. She had. I just feel like her life that like she had no chance from the beginning. But then you say that, but I don't really agree because. She actually had a, a chance to have a decent life. Like, even she was like, she, even though I think there's more to her relationship with her adopted mum than they touch on. Because she mm-hmm. says that she was never loved, but you came from like, your mum was very stable. So maybe yeah. there was something there we aren't aware she of. Said that, she said that she never felt loved. That mm. doesn't mean that people around her didn't show her love, but to her, it probably just wasn't perceived as that. And if someone is strict and being like, look, don't go out, don't be smoking, come home on time, you're thinking, oh, this woman doesn't love me. Why should always tell me what to Bam, do? Bam, that's every Nigerian parent. You know how many times I packed my bag? <laughs> and got to the bin I always knew I always knew where I was going to run away to yeah I always knew where I was going to run away to the park by my house I'm dead <laughs> that park went. your parents have found you in two seconds no not that one not the one on my road like it's like uh, on the way to the station oh yeah that one but yeah. then I was thinking like there's not even shelter anyway <laughs> but yeah I think that she kind of not maybe not resented I don't know like you said they didn't really touch much on that relationship mm. but she probably just felt like I just think, especially when we, you know, we speak to her biological grandma later. Mm. I think that just reveals a lot about where this life was going to (laughs) go. Yeah. And like I said, it's back to that whole nature versus nurture thing. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's so crazy. So she now has to get a new attorney because she's been transferred to adult, like, jail. So she can't have the Which is that. It's like another thing now to do. It's literally another thing for her to worry about. So um, we see Sintoya speaking to Barnett again and we learned that she didn't ab- absorb or understand her Miranda rights. And there was also a lot of trickery um, from oh, the police. Oh, I hate the police. I hate the, the police, police. cases. <laughs> Honestly, I hate them. Like, they're bullies. They're actually Literally. bullies. These people who interrogate, yeah. And if this is the way they're trained to work, then just shut everybody down. Because, because you're, not, you're not getting the actual criminals this way. The only I mean, in this o- case, she was the actual criminal. But, <laughs> yeah. but The still. only police officers that really know how to do their job well are de- Detective Benson and Stabler and all the other people in... The Law and Order SVU department. And do you know why that is? Because it's a fictional. TV show. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, bloop. <laughs> and I, oop. <laughs> we are never going to be let back into America. And to be fair, I don't want to fucking go to not handling this coronavirus well anyway. Atlanta's open, you know. Atlanta, they're doing their thing. Fam. Well, Georgia, Fam. but you know, Atlanta specifically. Fam. Um, anyway yeah so my Esther's gonna expire soon anyway (laughs) (laughs) 
so yeah they didn't she didn't understand or read her um understand her Miranda rights properly which if she had she would have known that she shouldn't have said anything without a lawyer present listen if I've learned one thing from Central Park Five yeah sure. I don't care if they arrest me and I have no idea what the case is I want a lawyer that's all I'm saying to you that's it that's I don't, it. Want to I don't say care shit. what you threaten me with what you promise me I'm I need a lawyer I that's need a lawyer. it I, mean, I ain't telling you shit I didn't Honestly. even tell you what I had for breakfast that day. You don't even need to know. I'm not confirming my name, sir. Sir? No, I will not spell it for you. <laughs> sir? You spell it how you like. <laughs> <laughs> they promised her a deal with the DA and they never delivered. And they, they basically said that they would talk to the DA. To reduce the Which, sentence. what, what, mm-mm. They said they would talk to the but DA. But no, but don't That's forget, it. she said that they said they would talk to the DA to get her a deal. And yeah, they, off camera off camera and then they say they only said they'll talk to the da and then the the but barnett's like so okay talk to the da about what talk to the da about, Any, the about anything and this is just goes to show you like how they trick people and manipulate mm-hmm. you because they know that she doesn't understand this game so she's thinking okay i'm just gonna confess and then i'll get a deal and then i can go but she doesn't actually understand that like they want the severity you. of the case Bam. so it's really sad and you know that Something went was said between them because in the second tape, when they come back, she's like to them, but you promised. And they were like, you know, they responded to it. <laughs> yeah, they responded to it. So it's been two years of, in- of incarceration now and it's the morning of her criminal trial. Her mm-hmm. judge this time is Randall Wyatt. And again, he's white. Um, so basically we go through the whole trial we see a lot of legal and this is all the stuff i mean like nobody is watching this documentary to see these these trials like no the first of all let me highlight these court cases every court case in this documentary reminds me a lot of the gabriel um hernandez hernandez yeah fernandez yeah fernandez or hernandez fernandez fernandez because it's aaron hernandez gabriel yeah yeah fernandez yeah yeah (laughs) This, all the court trials in this documentary remind me of that in the sense that they're boring. Okay. Like, they're now boring. we don't want to see it. Literally, That's why we watch TV shows because the law- they get the good they ones. Get, literally, they're boring. The lawyers have zero vim. I always no expect... No vim. And this is why, I'm sorry, yeah, OJ, we know you did it, but that trial was lit because there was charisma. Do you know what I mean? Literally. You need this nerve and talent. Like, there was, <laughs> there was so much. It gave me so, so much. So much pizzazz. Like, this one, like, he was yeah. reading from a script paper and then he was even saying something. Like, it just, it was like, they, nobody wanted to be there. It was like, it was like, like you are, it's like you asked li- librarians to come and tell you what they think court would yeah. be like. It was so boring. Like, literally. We didn't, basically, we didn't need it. And remember in the last episode, yeah, we were talking about how long we think this documentary series was going to be, yeah? Mm. And we know with with Netflix, it's going to be at least an hour and a half. It was an hour 37 minutes, and it didn't need to be, because literally. all this law mumbo-jumbo, like, we didn't need it. Like, we know the, the, the case, do you know what I mean? Like, if that was the case, then you should have done a documentary solely about the case and gone in deep about the case. That's what I'm but trying to say. But that wasn't really it. You were this... talking about the behind the scenes and the whole psychological aspect and... It was very confusing as to what this documentary was trying to achieve. Because yeah. I've had people, or well, we've had people message us, be like, are we doing this? Because they don't want to watch it because they don't want to see, like, trauma. And it's kind of like, after watching it, I'm like, sis, you can just go watch it because it's there's nothing really that traumatic about this. This is just But then also, like, you don't have jargon. to because save your hours, 37 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But more, <laughs> I'm more just saying this to say that there's no, none of the yeah. sensationalised, like, quote-unquote, juicy stuff that, that people are looking for. It's, it's a lot of legal jargon. Yeah. So yeah, basically they're in the they're in the um court whatever. Basically, but... she gets convicted. Yeah, she gets convicted, <laughs> and um, 
she ends up getting life in prison and mm-hmm. we hear her telling her mum and she's basically quite optimistic and it's really sad because it kind of just shows you that even she's kind of checked out on herself. Like, it made me think two things. It made me think either she is deluded in that she doesn't deep how deep this actually is and what's going on mm. or she has just come to terms with the fact that this is actually what it is at this point and I just have to accept it. I, I saw it a different way. I saw it as I feel like she's checked out on herself. Like, I feel like she... Like, she, cause she kept saying that, like, for her, like, it is what it is, but she, the worst thing is that if it affects other people's lives, like, I feel like she's kind of deep. Okay, cool. Like, I'm not really deserving of much more. This is my life, and that's that. That's what I mean. She's accepted. It's just like this is this is just yeah. what it is. Yeah. This is just what it like. Well, she doesn't care to because fight. at that point, what yeah. what what can you do? So and um, even even deeper because it's not until she gets older where like later on in the documentary where she starts to be like oh. Let me try and fight this or whatever. Yeah, literally. Maybe as she gets she's older, she starts to realise... I think she's like 17 or 18 at this point. When she, yeah, when she gets convicted. When she gets convicted, she's 18 because she's been in prison for two years. She went in at 16, so she's actually 18 mm. at this point. Mm-hmm. And the thing with court cases as well, this is really difficult because when you're looking at her at that point, you're actually looking at an 18-year-old woman. And who she, was styling her, though? What was this hair and these clothes? I just don't understand the it. hair, the clothes. There was and, no need. She looks about 32. And she'd obviously put on a lot of weight since... Because um, prison food makes you put on mad weight because they want you slow, so you can't fight. So, <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> I'd said this to my sisters because they were like, why do people always put on weight when they come to prison? I was like, they carb you up, so you're too sluggish to, to fight. Like, literally... Or they just don't give you, like, fresh fruit and produce because yeah. it's too expensive. Okay, there's also that element. But the food is very starchy. I was watching a prison documentary. Is it? When's the last time you was there, sis? I'm dead. <laughs> I was watching Stacey Dooley, Stacey Dawes, yesterday, oh, a prison documentary. If you see the food they gave them, they gave them mashed potatoes, okay, three um sticks of string beans, like a, a small square of meat, and then three slices of bread. Why do you need mashed potato and bread on top? They want to keep <laughs> you sluggish and slow and full, so you can't fight. Wait, if anyone works in a prison, please let us know. Let if that's us the know case. why the food is so starchy. Twitter at two girls one dog. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, she's put on weight now, so she doesn't look eighteen, and it's hard trying to get the judge to still see her as the. So she does look eighteen now. It's hard trying to get the judge to see her as that sixteen year old girl as a child. Yeah, yeah. and also like that's what I'm saying with the the defense. Whoever was styling her, like put her in some pigtails or something, like make her look youthful. Yeah, do you have her hair like slicked down and like flared like she how the aunties like a do? She looks like a teacher. Literally, like a all she needed was the glasses and it would have been done. Hmm? Literally. So um, we meet her bio mum, and mm-hmm. her bio mum was also a prostitute and on drugs, and ended up going to jail. And then, like, her bio mum's on the way to her grandma's house. Not So the bio mum's on the way to, like, Centoya's biological grandma's house, which is her mum. Yeah, mom. so her own mum, yeah. yeah. And she's basically saying that she can't be with her mum too long because they get on each other's nerves and they basically hate each other. So we meet this grandma. This grandma's batshit crazy. Um, and basically, she's crazy, but I get it. I get it. No, no, no. I definitely get it, but she is crazy. And basically, like, the crux of everything she says is... I think that my mother probably should have had a hysterectomy when she was 16. Because then that would have meant that she she herself wasn't born, then Gina wasn't born, and then Centoya wasn't born. Literally, literally. That's what she said. 
and she's basically like basically she's like this whole generation of women should be sterile and she was like i like i don't i wish i didn't have my kids because i put i don't blame her they went through so much i think we need to normalize like just because you're able to have kids doesn't doesn't mean mean that you should have kids it doesn't mean that you should have kids because you're a woman of childbearing age it does not mean that you should have kids because you have little swimmers and that it doesn't mean you should have kids it doesn't because sometimes people like they don't want to be parents and you can tell that sometimes there are people who didn't want to be parents and then they have the kid and things change and they're great parents like great don't regret your kids cool but then just don't have the kids if you feel like you're going to regret them it's not my fault the population will be fine like there's enough people on this planet maybe even too many people on this planet to repopulate so you don't you're not doing it for population's sake like don't have kids just because oh yeah i'm I'm 28 now i should have kids yeah literally i agree what is that i agree and i actually to be honest as crazy as it is hearing someone say that but I rate her for saying it because it means that Same. she's able to identify the trauma that's gone on in this, like, family. And, like, the generational patterns that Literally, like, if, if she was Nigerian, she'd call it a generational curse. Like, it's curse. <laughs> literally, she's able to identify all these things and she's actually like, nah, like, you know what? It shouldn't have to happen like this. Yeah, so, exactly. We just... It's peak. Her life was mad as well. It was My mad. Goodness. We learned a bit more about her life as well. It was crazy. Um, so suddenly we just fast forward now with their stupid, like on-screen card thing. <laughs> so on. 2004. Okay, I, we'll, we'll post a screenshot. It's just fucking annoying. So we fast forward and it's now like July 2010 and she's 22 years old and she has a new pro bono legal team who actually mm-hmm. kind of decided to take on the case based on a film. I didn't really know what film they were talking about. I was confused at this point when the lawyers were having this conversation because I didn't know if it was this film we're watching that they saw or another film but there's some film they watched and based on the film yeah. they're like, yeah, they're going to take off up the case. My sister was telling me that there was actually another documentary that was ages ago on this case. I don't know if maybe it's the same footage from this thing or whatever, but I was over this this thing, so I didn't even go and research Yeah, I will not it, be so, watching yeah. that one. Yeah. So, um, there's a whole new trial on... Okay, so basically, these new lawyers are going in with the kind of conversation of um, fetal alcohol syndrome. And they basically mm-hmm. want to have a trial to say that Centoya deserves a different, another trial because if the jury had been, a, no, basically no competent jury would have um, convicted her if they were aware of the fetal alcohol syndrome. So mm-hmm. that's their whole stance and that's their angle. So we see this whole thing and they do the, the conversations with her and they basically come to the conclusion that she has the fetal alcohol syndrome. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's a whole trial for the appeals court for, for post-trial relief. Yeah. And again, like I said, another court case that reminds me of Gabriel Hernandez. Nobody has any flipping vim or whatever. Um, and so in the court, we learn... And I'm, by the way, can we just say, like, in this pod, we're using the words that are used in the documentary. So like, when I say yeah. prostitute, it's because that's what they've said. So the word yeah. I'm about... And back the word, then, they were prostitutes, exactly. sex workers. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so... The words I'm about to use now are literally quote for quote what's used in the documentary mm-hmm. before, yeah. So, for you chat shit, for you chat shit, and drag us, please. <laughs> um, so, in court, we learned that Centoy Brown has severe fetal alcohol syndrome, and um, the psychiatrist basically says her functional abilities are terrible, so terrible they are equivalent to a person with mild mental retardation. For me, this is really sad because Centoya basically like says that it's it's wild hearing these stuff, things about yourself, and you start to look at your yeah, own self differently as well. Because she's like, 
maybe this is why this happened. Maybe this is why I react this way. Like, it's very hard for you to sit there and know that you're a culpable, like, insane person. And then they're telling you that, like, actually know that you've got mental retardation or mild. This And you know, do you know what it is with this, yeah? Is that, so... At this time when she's 22, you can visibly see that, like, she's in a better place. She seems to be a lot better. She's more put together. Mm. And she's clearly been working through whatever it is while she's been in prison, right? And so someone comes to tell you you have mental retardation because your mum drank alcohol when she was pregnant with you. It's like, okay, so... Am I just destined to not be okay then? Is there any yeah. point? Have I so even... is there any point? It's, it's in... kind of, yeah, like, it's, it's kind weird. of like, I get you're trying to do this to get her out of jail, but it's kind of like you're saying, look, she's fucked. Um, it's not her fault, but that's just how she is. Um, this just affects everything she does. And it's like, wait, I've been getting better. Like, I'm doing well. Like, I'm, I'm actually okay. doing good. Personally yeah. for me, I don't really think she has it. I just think she was a girl that's been through a lot of fucking shit that fucked her up mentally, but she's getting better with therapy. Mm. So, I think that might have been a factor, but I don't think it's... Maybe it's, like, not necessarily a long-term thing. Yeah. Maybe it's, like... Yeah, or maybe it can be offset by other things. I don't know. I just I'm think so much was going on in her life then that that may have, like, exacerbated, like... Yeah, and trauma as well. And yeah. her being in jail, like, she's not worrying about how she's going to get fed off the streets. Like, it, it must take up a lot of stress and trauma that she doesn't have to... I mean, I'm sure there's... Prison is its own trauma. Yeah. But it's different to what she's been facing. Yeah, 100%. So... After the, this, we learned that the judge acknowledged the fe- fetal um, al- alcohol syndrome, but he mm-hmm. denied relief. And I was just like, what the fuck? So you're basically saying that you can see that she has something that prevented her from having all her faculties in order, but mm-hmm. you don't really think that if a jury knew this... They, and this is why I say, like, I call racism, but then also it could be classism. Either way, it's just so. kind of like... More so that. Either way, they look at her and they just, just don't think she's worth... A life on the street. Exactly. And then we also need to... Which remember, is really sad. Which is very sad. Um, and we also need to remember as well, in America, the prison system is privatised. So they make exactly. money There's off of the amount of inmate. mouths they have to feed in a prison. So there really isn't an incentive to have people out. And there also isn't an incentive to reha- like, rehabilitate. Like, it's so crazy. Like, prison is not about rehabilitation, which is why, like, the standards are so piss poor. Like, they just want you in there like to get their check and get the fuck out they're not there aren't programs a lot of programs in place there are very few prisons that have really good programs in place to actually help rehabilitate offenders so let's keep that in mind with how many times they like try to stop this girl from getting out of prison um so we see her biogrammer again and she's based back to saying that the genetics need to end and she basically says that she experienced rape so she says yeah, that she was really sad she was in the kitchen and she names the person but i don't know if he's related to her or something yeah i, I don't get, know if we've met the person before because she just names him like we should know who she's talking yeah, about like, I, just, I don't the, know who this man is i, I don't know who this man is sorry to them, man. i don't i might sound crazy but <laughs> i feel like that person is a relative yes yeah i think so, so i feel like she's related to the guy that did this she's in the kitchen cooking doing her thing and next thing this guy i think his name was tom grabs her takes her to the room rapes her and, then and she got pregnant off she that She got rape. pregnant. And that pregnancy was what bore Georgina, who is Centoya's biological mum. And she got raped as well. Exactly. She, um, Centoya's mum's been being raped, like, from a very young age. Oh, so gosh, it's just so it's just like a shit circle, as BD would say. Like, it's just a circle of shit, like, generation yeah. from generation. So it's really sad. So back to Centoya's bio mum. She hates her mum. And she basically says, like, if her mum was a better mum, like she, she says, if um my mum was a better role model, 
there would be no Sintoya Brown story. And it's it's true. But then at the same time, the mum also was going through her own shit. So yeah, if there wasn't her mum, there'd be no Gina Mitchell story. If there wasn't her mum, there'd be no yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Hysterectomy for the win. I'm gonna Bam. lie. Like, <laughs> Not take... to say no one deserves to be here, but like if you ah. Oh. I don't know. It's a tricky one, but look it's at look tricky. at all the pain and trauma that has happened and been passed on and yeah, on and yeah, on and on and endless. And again, like I said, it's the nature versus nurturing because Sintoy was removed from that like environment from a young age. Yeah, and at still, two, you know? and still like and like earlier on, I I didn't mention this because there's just too much stuff going on in this documentary. But her mum basically says that like she was cool until she got to like twelve, and then she started acting out. And then she was, like, running away from home. And then she basically says that, like, Sintoy said she ran away because she knew that she wouldn't be allowed to drink and smoke and all yeah, of the stuff exactly. she wanted to the do. structure. So, mm-hmm. Literally, like, it, you do have to wonder, is this a genetics thing? Because if she's removed and given a stable environment, why would she not thrive? So... Yeah. And she was okay for 10 years and then... Yeah, bloop. so it makes you think, is that that mental thing that they all have? Who knows? So, again, the stupid time card comes up and we're in November 2017. And Centoya is now 29 years old. And you really start to think, like, rah. She spent 13 years in prison. Like, a lot of... Th- like, these are her formative, like... The years yeah. you're meant to be... And she, she she said it before. She was like, yeah, like, when she was 20, she was thinking, like, rah, like, she should have graduated. I should be graduating. Yeah, yeah. it's Because deep it, like, we're not even 29, yeah. So it's like, all this time, all this life that we've lived from the age of 16, we would have been in prison, still. Literally. And we Mad. knew each other that whole time. Yeah, exactly. All these experiences that, that we've had in, in this time, we, we wouldn't have had because we would have been in prison. Crazy. No Snapchat memories, no Dubai 2018, none Fam, of that. None of that shit. No um, Amsterdam, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even say graduate or anything, just holiday. <laughs> Fuck them hoes. <laughs> Get me out of here. Can outside open? <laughs> So basically, she's um, been in prison 30 years. And we actually learned that she's getting a college degree and stuff like that. Yeah, she has two degrees, which is lit. Literally, she's lit. She's actually very smart and she's doing a lot of stuff. And a lot of people have wonderful things to say about her, but we'll get into that later. So her story is now making national news because, like, a reporter reported it on Fox. And there's also been a change in Tennessee law from her her case, which basically says minors mm-hmm. can no longer be charged and sentenced as prostitutes. Which, if this was in yeah, place, which obviously, her, like, uh, bam, this is these kids are exploited. The same way you wouldn't charge a child you see on like a child pornography tape is the same way you shouldn't be charging kids. On and the also the fact that you have the fact that you have statutory rape charges. I don't understand how you can then have statutory rape charges and then also have child prostitution charges. What What does that what mean? The fuck? You Literally. are, contra- <laughs> Sarah, you are contradicting yourself. Honestly. Um, so yeah and if this had obviously been in place during her trial then it would have been a completely different story so it basically goes viral yeah. and loads of celebrities start tweeting and i actually remember this this is when i started hearing about her i saw it from kim kardashian but i know that rihanna and a lot of other celebrities were doing the free centoya brown and there was a lot of talk about this and again it was kind of misinformation because what i was being or what i'd seen was this was a girl who killed her pimp like and I thought yeah. maybe I was being ignorant, but in my head, I thought he was like mid attack and she killed him. And then she gets. Mm-hmm. But the story was completely different. Not to say that it changes yep. anything, but yeah. So <laughs> it's different. <laughs> it's different. So there's a file for um, a file for petition, a file. <sighs> a petition is filed for clemency. <laughs> and <laughs> to the governor. And it's kind of like his last year. So I guess he's like in office they tried to do that one i guess last good deed or whatever 
Um, so it was a good time to get him basically. And Centoya was really smart because she was the one that orchestrated this. She was like, yeah, like let's use this momentum to, to get this shit out. So now one week before Centoya's parole hearing, and this is essentially to show that she's been rehabilitated and mm-hmm. that she should be like released. Um, and what they what they're hoping for is the sentence commuted to second degree murder, meaning that she yeah. will still have a she'll criminal, be eligible for parole. Yeah, she'll still have a criminal record, lose right of citizens, but essentially she'll be lose the right of an everyday normal citizen, but she'll be free and on parole. So I feel like this documentary is really good solely because you see her grow up. And that's yeah. what I really liked about this documentary. You see growth in her. Yeah. Like, she's definitely, definitely not the same person you see at the beginning of the documentary to the person who... In more ways than one. Literally, like, she's grown. And you can just see it, that she's a better person. So, basically, we're at the parole hearing and you see a lot of witnesses come and speak and attest to her. I'm not going to go into details because, literally, not only do these people speak, we hear them speak, then they do this little, like, interview with all of them and we hear how these people met them and... It's just too much. Like, we don't need to see didn't need, shit. We didn't need any of we it. We didn't need yeah. it. But it was really lovely to hear such amazing words spoken about her. And again, it reflects the growth. Yeah. So then the victim's family comes out and speaks. And they don't really say anything much of substance other than they're sad and, like, he will be missed. They don't really yeah. say that she shouldn't be paroled or she should. Yeah, at least if they do, we don't see that. Yeah. They didn't say that. We don't see that. We didn't see it, basically. And it's a bit mad because I can't lie i see it in two ways this guy was like a however old year old guy like he must at least have been in his 30s picking up a 16 year old girl so you have to think there's something not right there but yeah we don't know so we hear the recommendations from everybody on the board one of them says to commute the sentence another says change the parole date to 2029 another one says decline the application which is so wild to me um yeah, and these all go to the governor and he has to decide what to do. So it's important to note that these are just recommendations. Ultimately, yeah. they've got, the governor will convene to all of this and make a decision, but he just has a recommendation. Um, and don't forget, there's a lot of like social media pressure as well. Um, so it's now... And also, and also, this is his last year, so it's yeah. like mic drop, do you know what I mean? Like, literally, do out of a bang. <laughs> that Obama mic drop, like, you might as well just... If it's people like, fuck it, just let her out, man. Let her out, man. She's been, what, 15, what, 15 years, what? (laughs) So it's now January 2019 and Centoya is 30 years old. And this is eight months after the hearing. Can you imagine waiting eight months, like, fam? I mean, she's already done, like, 13 years. Yeah, but it's so different when you feel like you can taste that freedom. It's very different. It's very different. So it's been eight months after the hearing and the decision has been made. Um, the lawyers are called in in some like covert operation and told the decision. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand all of that shit. It was I was like, fam, just call me, fam. Why am I fam, coming to your crib? Fam, just call me or send me a little, quick letter. What are you doing? Like a text, like free, free centoya, like calm. She out. Let her she out. She out. Let her out. <laughs> so um, basically, he decides to commute the sentence to fifteen years, which would effectively means it mean it ends in August, and then mm-hmm. she'll move to a transition group and then probation for ten years. Um, so the lawyers go and tell her and she's obviously happy. They say that she hugs her. We don't see this because it's in the prison. And then yeah. there's like a call. And also do. we don't see this because it's modern. <laughs> exactly. And she did not agree to all this shit. So there's a call they do and like it's got all the people in there that have supported her and helped her throughout this period in her case. And she's basically thanking all of them and just thanking God. 
And then basically we're at the end now. Um, and we hear Centoya just talking about being happy and having a new life and how she's going to use this new life and she's not going to disappoint people. Then on-screen text tells us she earned two degrees whilst in prison. She's written a mem- memoir and she serves as an advocate on beha- behalf of trafficking victims in social justice reform. Um, also, side note, she's married. Um, apparently there's like a book or something coming out where or the d- documentary she's doing will tell us how she met her husband. Fun fact, her husband is an ex-Pretty Ricky member. Is it? Yeah. His name's like John Lang. Or Long. John Long. He was one of the ones where after Spectacular left, you know they got some like quick... Oh, okay, don't worry. Yeah, he was, was thinking as he was, well. Like, he was yeah, in for, like, for like two tracks and left, but yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Probably even hear his own vocal for him. Just blend in. Literally. Backup he, dancer. He has the hair <laughs> that um Michael B. Jordan had in um Black Panther. That's literally oh, his, Black his Panther. actual hairstyle. So I think that says everything we need to know about him. Yeah, moving on. Um, yeah, so the documentary was long. Um, and you know what? I'm glad we watched it, but um, yeah. I'm so, it's I'm so surprised I was able to, we were able to summarise it. Personally, for me, what I would have liked to see is a documentary a lot about her, her childhood growing up, um, how she got to this place, and more about the case itself. Do you know what I'd want to see is more about like her life afterwards? And I just don't think they could have given yes, us that because exactly. all the footage was archival footage. Yeah. So it was kind of like, mm, but yeah, guys, no, like, thanks for rocking with us and listening to this, um, yeah. if you made it this far. What are we doing next, baby? You tell the people. I can't remember the name. I don't want to miss say it. We're doing Three Identical Strangers, which I haven't seen, but I've heard a lot about. Yeah, I haven't seen and it. And it's mad. It's, it's mad. It's mad. It's one of my favourite documentaries. I can't lie. Actually, I can't say that because I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it? What are you talking about? But it's one of my, it sounds like it's one of my favourite. <laughs> do you know what everyone everyone else that i've seen talk about it and people who i know actually enjoy documentaries like as in in terms of in their entirety have said it's good so i'm really looking forward to yeah. watching it um also if you haven't listened to our last episode that's a really really good documentary long shot yeah. about again how the justice system is trashed but it's really quick it's only 40 minutes and it's really good as well yeah and um, but in the meantime you can follow us on twitter at two girls one doc that's yep. the number two and the number one same thing on Instagram. Um, I am Miss BD on Instagram and Twitter. I am four ends. That's four ends underscore for Twitter and four ends with two underscores for Instagram. Um, yes. Yeah. Comment, subscribe, all that good stuff, and leave us a rating and review if you're listening by Apple. So I'm going to play the trailer of Three Identical Strangers next, um, and we'll see you next week. Hasta Bye. la vista, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't believe the story if someone else were telling it, but it's true, every word of it. It started when I went to college. It was the first day of school. All these people are coming up to me saying, Eddie, how are you? Eddie, hi. I'm like, my name's not Eddie. I don't know what you're talking about. As soon as this guy turned around, I knew it was Eddie's double. I said, you're not gonna believe this. You have a twin brother. Oh my God. As I reached out to knock on the door, it opens. And there I am. His eyes are my eyes, my eyes are his eyes, and it's true. And then the story went from being amazing to incredible. It was an article to Twins Reunited. I think I might be the third. When people ask me, what is the most remarkable story you ever encountered? I tell them it's the story of the triplets. You guys have been on the front page of every newspaper in the world. True. They were more like clones than they were like brothers. It was a miracle. There was nothing that could keep us apart. That's when things kind of got 
funky. Something was just not right. They separated these boys at birth. The parents had never been told that there were two other children. What was the purpose? Why? How could you not tell us? They're trying to conceal what they did from the people they did it to. When you play with humans, you do something very wrong. Who would be evil enough to come up with something like this? There's a lot of powerful people that would like to have the story silenced. There's still so much that we don't know. It boggles the mind. It's a mystery. I'd like to know the truth.